This is David's Book Talk, bringing authors and book lovers together in a unique way since 2009. Visit us at davidsbooktalk.com and join the conversation at facebook.com slash davidsbooktalk. But first, pull up a chair, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Here's your host, David English. Hello and welcome to David's Book Talk. And today we have a very, very, very special guest. He's one of my favorites, Robert Dugoni, and his new book is called A Cold Trail. Well, it's cold just looking at the cover of this book. And this is Tracy Crosswhite number seven. Is this number seven? It's number seven. Yeah, it's hard to believe, but now, it is. Yeah. There's a couple of short stories that go with them, right? That are only available online. Is that is that the way that works? Yeah, I. I you know, uh, I did. I wrote a couple of short stories that, um, you know, at the time I wasn't sure what I was going to do with them, and, and uh, my publisher decided that they thought that they could use them as kind of shorts and use them for promotional purposes and things like that. But, um, you know, they're only probably 50 pages each, so it's not big enough to, to put out in a, in a book form. Do you write every day of the week? Every day. Uh, I don't write Saturdays and Sundays anymore. Um, I take Saturdays and Sundays off pretty much. Um, but you know, I, I was just, I was just talking with my wife and I have two offices. I have an office here at home and I have an office in downtown Seattle and the, you know, the traffic in Seattle has, has, is with a lot of cities, it's just gotten exponentially worse every year. I think Seattle's the fastest growing city in the United States. Uh, and my, my commute has gone from 20 minutes each way to about 45 minutes each way. And I just told my wife, um, you know, I'm kind of reaching that point where I like to go into Seattle because, you know, you feel like you're getting out of the house, but uh, if it's going to take an hour and a half out of my day, that's just time I can I can use, you know, working out or playing golf or, or writing, and and I'd rather not use it sitting in the car. So, um, yeah, I, I maximize my time as, as much as I can, and, you know, as you know, because we've spoken before, uh, I love to write, and so... For me to come in and sit down, and it's not work. It's it's my passion. It's what I really love to do. Like we say, when you read a book, and, and I'm reading Cold Trail. In fact, I was up all night reading this book, and I'm still reading it. I'm mean, just finishing it. I will be finishing it tonight, but and I'm falling asleep. You know, this afternoon because I've, I've been up all night. But it's it's like you can't get, wait to get back to it, especially the chapter I'm on. I mean, it's so compelling. It, I mean, and every book in the series is the same way. And I don't know how you do it. I don't know how, as a, I mean, that's not easy to do as a writer. You just don't sit down and the words just come to you right off the bat. I mean, it takes a lot of work, doesn't it? It, 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 it definitely, it definitely does. I, you know, I just, I, I just did an interview um, earlier this morning. And, you know, one of the things that I think is true for all writers is you have to reach a point where you trust your characters. You have to reach a point where you trust that your characters uh, will figure things out, that your characters will, that the plot will be there. And once you get to that point, once you get to that point where, where you are comfortable with your character, you know who your character is, you know the, the other characters in the novel, you know how they would react, um, then it's just a matter of really letting them tell the story and getting out of the way of the story. I had an author tell me that some years ago, and I, I wish I could remember exactly who it was, but, you know, the author said the best authors out there are the ones that get get out of the way of the story. 
And I think there's a lot of truth to that now, having done that for 20 years. I think that, um, you know, the best novels I've written are the more recent novels, and it's because I've gotten more and more comfortable with getting out of the way of my characters telling the story. And, um, you know, I, I also, I, I do work very hard. I never want to put a book out there that doesn't reach the standards that my readers should expect. And I, I feel like that's a cheat. And I've had, I've had other authors who I, I'm a big reader of, and I'll, I'll, I'll have read five, six, seven novels, and I'll get to one novel, and, you know, I can just tell that it's a novel that, whether it was a, a deadline or something happened, I don't know what it is, that the novel just is not up to that author's standards. And, and uh, you know, I'll get disappointed, and I'll put the series down. So, you know, I want my readers to know that when they pick up a novel, they can expect that if it's in print and it's out there, then I'm, I feel good about it and I'm happy with it and, uh, and that I worked hard to hopefully make it a page-turner for them. And that's a lot of pressure on you for every book. It, it is, and it, it is, and it isn't. You know, I was, a, I was a lawyer before I was an author, and, you know, you want to have pressure. I mean, when you practice in law, you have pressure every day. You know, you're making you're making phone calls to other lawyers that you know you're not calling them up to just say, "Hey, how you doing?" Right. You know, you're making you're making phone calls to them, and you're arguing with each other, and you're fighting over things, and there's a battle for this and a battle for that, and then you're taking depositions of people that don't want to be there, they don't like you simply because you're representing somebody else. You know that that that's really pressure. I mean, pressure is you know somebody coming in and you have to do surgery on them. So. You know, is there pressure involved in, in writing novels? I mean, absolutely, uh, without a doubt. But um, I think um, I, I, I think it's a different kind of pressure. And as I said earlier, it's a pressure that um, that I enjoy. It's my passion. It's what I want. Right. So I don't I don't really panic anymore. You know, I don't really have I don't have days where I have writer's block um, because you know I just I know that if 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 something's not going, then it's just, you know, it's not that I have writer's block. It's just that, you know, that particular day is going to be, a, it's not going to be as good a day as another day. But I don't, I don't panic. I don't, I don't, I don't worry about it. I, I just know that if the story's there, the story will come. If it's not, you just give up on the story, I guess, and start over again. I guess you'd have to. If well, you can. You can. I, I have never had that problem. I mean, I, I have... I just got through. Um, I just got through writing the sequel to um, a book called The Eighth Sister, which is an international right. kind of a spy book, an espionage book. And I just got through writing the sequel to it, which is coming out next September, called The Last Agent. And there was a scene in there where I had really written myself into a corner because I had put I had put a character in in probably the the most difficult prison to get out of in Moscow, and all of a sudden I went well, how the hell am I going to get the person out? <laughs> and, I, right. and I spent literally two days going into my office and just staring at the computer and thinking and thinking and thinking. And when I went to bed at night, I thought and I thought and I thought. And I just, I just let it ruminate for a while. And then, you know, there's something out there, whether it's endorphins from working out or whatever it is, but suddenly it just hits you like a bolt of lightning. And it's like, oh, that'll work. 
and then you do the research you need for that to work, and suddenly you're back on track, and off you go. But you make it you make it sound so easy, though, but it can't be easy. It's got to be anguishing at times. I mean, it's got to be. Well, <clears throat> I would. I wouldn't call it anguishing. Ang- anguishing is something you bring on yourself. Okay. Uh, I would I would say it's difficult, and um, and and there are days that are are not as good as others. But um, I think after twenty years of doing something, and I've been doing this now for twenty years, you realize uh, you don't sweat the small stuff. So I'm underestimating your abilities, is what I'm doing. <laughs> well, not, not, not really. It's just you just gotta you gotta say to yourself. Do you believe in this story? Do you believe in these characters? If you believe in the story, you believe in the characters, the characters will figure it out. It it will happen. Um, And that's not how I started out. Um, You know, you and I spoke years and years ago when I was just getting started. And um, that was a whole different ballgame because back then I was trying to write a story. I was trying to write a great character. I was trying to be clever. I was trying, you know what I mean? Right. And I think after a while you reach a point where you just say, I know my skills. I know what I can do. I've done this now for 20 books. It will happen. And you just relax into the story and you let it happen. Right. And um, I'm not saying it's easy. Don't you know? If it was easy, you know, everybody in the world would be writing a book. And sometimes it feels that way, but... Um, it, it 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 takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. Right. Well, then what got me started on you was the Jury Master. The Jury Master was phenomenal, and that's what got me reading you and, and keeping up with what you're writing. And then when I started Tracy Crossway, I, I couldn't stop reading them. And you know, I'm going to finish the number seven tonight, and then I'm going to be in withdrawal all night. I hope you know what that feels like for us us fans. It's a terrible feeling. I have to wait another year for another one. Yeah, well, I'm I'm actually I'm actually finishing up number eight uh, as we speak. I'm working really? on some edits and stuff. Yeah, I I always stay I always stay well ahead of, um, and, and that's again because I love what I do. So I couldn't even I can't even tell you what the deadlines are on pursuant to my contract. I have no idea. I just write the book and turn it in, and uh, and they they're happy with it. And I and I know my my publication dates get pushed up. You know, sometimes they get pushed up a couple months. Sometimes they get pushed up a couple weeks. But I just, I don't, I don't worry about. Okay, my deadline is this. I got to get it. I just, I just write the next book, and and turn it in. Um, and, uh, and and you don't so, think about the five million people that are depending on you for a good book. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got to be over five million now. Is it over five million now? Yeah, we are. We are. We're we're probably closing in on six. Yeah, and that's crazy. That that figure just blows my mind. It is, and it's 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 mind blowing for me too, David. I mean, I I I get up every morning, and and I'm grateful for every one of those five million people because, you know, uh, just the thought that that I hopefully can bring some enjoyment uh, to their day, to their night, whatever they do, you know, reading. Um, that it, it's mind boggling to me, and I and I'm grateful for every one of them. And and you you've got a birthday coming up soon, so I, I see. Do. I got a, yeah, I got a birthday coming up in February. 
Oh, well, happy birthday in advance. But every book that I've ever read by you has just been so good and so compelling. And, and this one, The Cold Trail, A Cold Trail, excuse me, I just put the on for, I don't know where I got the dove from, A Cold Trail. I'm reading this book, and it, you feel you can feel the cold in this book. You can feel the, you know, who's who's the baddie in this book? Who's going to, and, and that, that sense of danger that's all through this book is really what compels. I mean, this is a perfect book to read on a snowy night. Well, it's um, it's funny because the the guy who told me, um, who said to me one time, when there's a crime in a small town, it impacts the entire town and everyone in that town because everybody knows one another. The guy who told me that was was um, King County Detective Scott Tompkins, who is the guy I dedicated the book to because Scott passed away unexpectedly oh. uh, at 48 years of age in September of 2018, and. Um, and and one of the reasons I wrote that book is because Scott used to be uh, Scott and his wife Jennifer, who's a Seattle homicide detective. They were the two people that were really my go-to people for you know Seattle Police Department procedure and and all those things. Um, and you know Scott passed away, and and I just didn't feel comfortable you know going to Jen and say, "Can you help me? Can you help me write my next novel?" So I sent Tracy home. Because, as you probably have deduced, she she acts more like a private investigator almost than she does as a as a cop because she's not dealing with um, a lot of the police procedure and all those kind of things. And that's the reason I did it. I did it because I I wanted to be respectful of of Jennifer's emotions and feelings and and all that, having just lost a spouse unexpectedly. And I wanted to, I, I wanted to send her home. And my initial my initial, I was initially concerned uh, that maybe there wasn't going to be a big enough story in Cedar Grove. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have to tell you, I, I, when, I, when I've gone back and I've looked at that book to prepare for these interviews, I'm really, really satisfied with it. I'm really, really pleased with it. And I'm especially pleased with the trial that Dan finds himself in. Oh, yes. <laughs> and that's because that, that trial is accurate. It is an accurate depiction of a uh, of a summary judgment motion and what a judge would and wouldn't let you do, and Dan just keeps pushing the edge and pushing the edge and pushing the edge, and um, and I, I read it and I you know I, it's one of those moments as an author where you you know you can kind of pat yourself on the back and say wow you know you did it that that's a that's a really good scene. And I was um, I was really pleased with how it came out. And it, it is compelling. I mean, in fact, I wanted to finish the book rather than call you because I was so into the book. I thought maybe I'll just finish the book and call him later. <laughs> <laughs> really, I mean, it's really when you get into a good book, it, it's just it overwhelms you. I mean, it's like well, and I, I had people told, tell me the other day. They said, "Well, what, do I have to go to work today? Maybe I can stay on and read the rest of this book." That's what we go through. It's terrible sometimes. We're, we're stopping our lives because you, you've written something so great that we can't put it down. And I, 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 I appreciate it, and I know exactly what you're saying because I feel the same way about, about certain books that I read. You know, and, and I, I read somewhere one time that you know you go see a good movie and and it's great, and there are a lot of really beautiful, wonderful movies out there, but mostly it's a visual, um, there's a visual uh, appeal to a movie. You sit there and the movie comes at you and you just take it in. When you're reading a novel, you become part of the novel. Uh, You, you know, you, you immerse yourself in the pages of that novel and, and you, you're using all of your senses. And as a writer, my job is for 
is for the reader to use all of his or her senses so they can see the story, they can hear the story, they can smell the story, they can feel the story, think, you know, all those things that really makes a good book, um, you know, fun to read. And I, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge reader. I've already read three books this week, and um, I, I just, I really enjoy it. What, 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 I'm curious, what three books did you read? Well, I'm reading books for people that are um, that want blurbs. One's called uh, Burning Justice by Marty Green. Oh. Uh, another book is called The Travels of Quinn by Sather Hill. And then uh, Tony Oliver wrote a book called The Amsterdam Deception, and all of those books are coming out shortly. And, mm. uh, and I like them all. I really enjoyed reading them all. But how do you, how do you read when you're, when you're busy writing your own books? Don't you ever get confused? No, no, I, I don't. I don't. I try not to read certain authors. Uh, that might be in the exact same genre that I'm in. Uh, but, you know, I find, like, I read Stephen King every day. And I read The Green Mile. I think I might have told you this years ago. I read, I, when I'm writing a novel, I read Stephen King every day. And I, I read Stephen King because he's so flippin' good. I mean, the guy is yes. so flippin' good. And, and, you know, you'll read a paragraph and you'll realize, oh my, my lord, I just used every sense, every sense in my body. I used, you know, I just totally was able, he immersed me completely and totally in that scene. And it's just, it's a, it's a reminder to me of what you have to do in order to be a really good writer. And, and I, I just think that guy is, I think he's going to go down as, you know, Hemingway, Fitzgerald, Dickens, I think he's, he's one of those guys that, you know, we'll look, learn to appreciate more and more as, as the years go by. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, there, there's nobody like, and it's funny how people react to him because a lot of people think he's too gory and they won't read him, but they don't realize that there's more to him than gore in his books, a lot more than gore. Oh, yeah. I mean, and especially the later books with, you know, Shawshank Redemption right. and The Green Mile. And, I mean, you know, there's, he's written some just, some books, I think, like I said, we're going to be reading them, you know, a hundred years from now, people are still going to be reading And them. I remember when The Green Mile came out, when it came out in chapters, and I couldn't yeah. wait. I was working in a bookstore at the time, and I'm like, I had to go in the back just so I could read the next chapter, because we, we couldn't put it out yet. And I would I would go out back and sneak a read at the next chapter. I couldn't wait for the next chapter. It was it was, it was was unbelievably frustrating. Yeah, no, she he, he's amazing. It, he, he is... He is you know, he's got to be, if not my favorite, one of my one of my favorite authors. So, so is every is every book you write a book that you would normally read? Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's certain books I won't read. I won't. I, I don't read kids in peril books. Um, I don't read read books that have you know graphic violence against women. Um, you know, I wrote a book called Your Final Breath years ago, and it's uh, it's about Tracy's hunt for a serial killer who's basically strangling these women and um you know even that book now i i, I probably would have softened right. softened it um i just i i find that readers don't want to read that stuff they don't a lot of readers i should say not all but a lot of readers don't want to read that stuff they don't they don't want to read the f word every sentence you know they don't want to read sex every page you know they don't want to read graphic details of you know um you know, torture and things like that, and and I've been asked to to blur books, and I'll open the book up and I'll and I'll read it, and the first scene will be just some graphic violence against a woman, and I and I just I have to tell the author, I'll say, it, it, there's nothing against you, it's just that I don't read these kind of books, 
Right, exactly. And everybody's different. Every mind is different. You can't, you don't know how a person's going to react to a book. You know, like, <clears throat> I read, uh, there's an author named Chris Carter who writes the most gruesome books you'd ever want to read. And I can't stop reading them. I just can't stop reading. And it's because I enjoy the character so much and yeah. I enjoy the story so much. And I admit it's some of the most graphic things I've ever read in a book. And yet I, I can't stop myself from reading them. I just enjoy them so much. I don't even know why. And yeah, but but a lot of people couldn't read, and I warn everybody that I that I tell him about him, and and I'll say you know it's very graphic, so you have to be ready for the, the graphic parts. But I well, you know, I'll read well, him till the till till I can't read him anymore. Yeah, I mean you know one of the I think one of the good strong illustrations of your point is Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, I mean, that book is that book is just terrifying, uh, and it, it it's terrifying because. You know the, the the reality of the violence is 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 horrifying, and you know I, again there are a lot of readers out there that that love that stuff. They're the same people that love to watch horror movies, and I'm just not that guy. I'm not that brave. Well, you're not really. You don't write a lot of sex in your books. You don't write a no, lot of violence in your. I mean, your violence is off screen. It's there, but it's not. It you feel it, but it's not the same as. It's not graphic. And I, that, that's a conscious decision on my part. And, and that I just, I just decided that you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't want to write it, I didn't want to read it, I didn't want to write it. And, and I'll have to tell you, I, I get emails all the time from readers who are very happy that I don't write it. And there's a lot of, I get emails from people that tell me they were recommended by someone else because I write fast-paced, tense-filled books that don't include a lot of profanity or, or sex or violence. Uh, and so, you know, I, I take pride in the fact that I can still write a, a book that people find uh, fast-paced and, and filled with tension without, without the gratuitous violence or profanity. Now, I'm not in any way, shape, or form uh, condemning other people that, 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 that do that. I just don't do it well. And if I don't do it well, it's not going to work. There are a lot of writers out there that can write those scenes uh, and do them well. Um, women write really marvelous sex scenes. I mean, uh, Scott Turow in uh, in Presumed Innocent has mm. a very provocative sex scene in there that that's not gratuitous. It was needed for the book, and he did it extremely well. I I just I just don't do it well. I don't know what that says about me. But I don't do it well, and, and if you don't do it well, you gotta you got to play to your strength. So this new book, A Cold Trail, did this book come to you all at once? I mean, did you suddenly have the whole plot in your head, or did you have to work it out as you're writing? Or how, how did that... Yeah, no, I, I, I never have a whole plot in my head, and I never outline. Um, my, books, uh, my books sort of begin to shape themselves. I never know who the villain is. I leave it, I, leave it, I always leave the villain uh, wide open because I find that uh, if I do that, then a lot of times the villain will surprise me. And if the villain surprises me, then the villain will probably surprise the, the reader. And that's really my job. My job is to, is to put a lot of balls in the air and keep the reader guessing as to um, you know, who's, who's culpable, who's the one who did it, and, and why did they do it, do it. And so hopefully I put three or four or five people out there that are potentially the bad guy, but you know, you always hope that when, when the reader, when you unmask who the who the killer is, the reader goes, oh, that's right. 
and then they they go back and and you play fair with them. Yeah, you know you have to play fair with the reader. Oh yeah. And they go they go back and they go. That's right. He, he this happened and this happened and this happened. You know they don't go back and go what that doesn't make any sense. Um, so I I always I always leave it open, uh, and that's kind of what I was talking about earlier about trusting trusting your your um, characters enough to let them live the story, and and trusting them enough to to not fear that you're you're gonna you know that the story's gonna peter out on you. And what's interesting about this book is the. the in the ranks of the book, is is this a triple murder? Is there really a triple murder here, or what exactly happened to these people? And and that's what you're wondering all through the book, and that's what compels you to keep reading. I mean, you have to know. I mean, it's not like I I couldn't stop reading this book because I ha- I have to know what the ending is. And, and yeah, well, I appreciate that, but that you're you're exactly right. That's exactly what you're trying to do. And it and you know I, I just marvel at your at the, at the way you write at the way you know you, you book after book after book and you, you it's interesting and it, it it just keeps being interesting and you and you say that you've done it for enough years that you know what you're doing and I believe that but still it's like every book has to be fresh if you sit down and you say well this book has to be as good as the last book and sometimes even better oh yeah you you want you want it to be better. You 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 know you you know you know that there are certain books out there where you just really hit the the nail with the hammer. I mean, you just you hit it. And there are certain books out there. You know, my sister's grave is one. The Trap Girl is probably another. People oh, know. that's a terrific one. Yes. Yeah, and then you know, uh, the Extraordinary Life of Sam Hell is a is a book that just has struck people's hearts uh, in ways that I, I never could have imagined possible. Um, I think that. Um, well, you must have known when you were writing it that it was something special. You had to have known something was special. I, I did. There are, there are times when, when I am writing certain books, and I, and I, I can say to myself, this is going to resonate with people. People are going to feel this book. It's going gonna, it's gonna to resonate with them. Well, how, how soon into the writing of the book did you know that, do you think? Uh, with The Extraordinary Life of Sam Hell, I didn't know it really for many, many years because there's a long story behind it, but but basically, it's, it's I had to know what Sam wanted. Right. For years, I didn't know what Sam wanted, and then finally, when I realized what Sam wanted, and I went back and I wrote the book with that underlying premise or theme, if you will, as to what Sam wanted. When I got done, I, I really felt that book was going to resonate I, with, with readers, and and I've been right, um, you know, and I and you don't always, not everybody. Not everybody jumps on board right away because, you know, everybody, I think, was a little nervous that, you know, Bob Degoni had gone away from writing a mystery right. and written a literary novel and uh, what are we going to do about this? And then then when the reviews started flowing in, I, I mean, I think it's like got a 4.8 review on Amazon and, and, and just as high on Goodreads, which, which tends to have, you know, more critical readers. It's just, it's a book that I think is universally true for for all of us, and, and and that's what I think the appeal of Tracy Crosslight is, and you see it very demonstratively in A Cold Trail, is it, it speaks to a number of different people. Um, you know, they, they see a woman who is trying to continue a very difficult career, and she's, she's married now, she's a mother now, she has a different perspective than she had in the past, and... Um, you know, it's just it, it's different, and and but people can identify with that. Women can identify with that. They can identify with a woman who is trying, you know, to uh, 
to pursue a professional career at the same time she's she's trying to be a mom mm-hmm. exactly and 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 seven books in it's still just as interesting as it was the first time you you, you came out with the the first book and you, you wonder it makes you wonder how I mean, some series get stale after a while. You haven't reached that that level yet. But I mean, I wonder, you know, after are you going to be able to write forty Tracy Crossway books or fifty Tracy Crossway books? I mean, are you going to get to the point? I mean, how do you know that you can constantly come out with a good book? I mean, are you going to know when it's when it's over and you can't do any more with her? Well, I think one of the things that's going to be a challenge is that um, I think one of the reasons Tracy remains fresh is because her life keeps changing. That's the positive. She's not Jack Reacher. She's not uh, James Bond. She's not, you know, the same person in every single book. She's different. You know, the first book, she she was a, a recluse. You know, then she meets Dan. Then she gets married to Dan. Then she has a kid. So her life is constantly changing, and that's what keeps it fresh. But the challenge is, you know, if you write 50 novels, I mean, is she going to be a 100-year-old hundred homicide detective? Yeah, exactly. You know? And, and, and so I think the way you deal with that is, is you just sort of begin to stall time. Uh, right. and, you know, her daughter doesn't grow up, you know, one year at, her t- at a time. Her daughter grows up, you know, three books per year. You know, so when she's one years old, you, you write three books when she's one years old. And then you write, you know, three more books by the time she's five. And you know what I mean? You just, you don't, you, you just, you make time, you slow time down. Sort of like they did with Nancy Drew, who was always 18 years old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she <know>. never aged. <laughs> and it's one of the things, it's, it's funny that because of that, I used to think, oh, she doesn't age at all, she'll never get older, it's going to be wonderful, every book's going to be, and, and you know, it does get old, I guess, but it still was, there's something wonderful about that, that she never really got older. No, and and, and the other thing I think that that is because there's always there was always a new mystery. And so, you know, you waited for those books and the Hardy Boys because it was like, what's the new mystery going to be, you know? Right. Uh, and, and, you know, you didn't worry about the parts that were corny or anything like that because you wanted to see if you were smart enough to figure it out. And and I think that's the appeal of, of mystery novels. And I think that's the appeal of Tracy. The appeal of Tracy is, is that, you know, she's going to be faced with a very, very difficult situation in every book. And how is she going to get out of it? How is she going to figure it out? Um, so, you know, um, I, 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 I just think, unfortunately, uh, there's always another crime and there's always another idea. You know, I was just talking to my, uh, my agent the other day and she was telling me about a, a young girl that in, in her hometown 40 years ago and, and they just figured out, finally they were able to figure out who the killer was. And it's a cold case, and um, you know that's a that's the kind of thing that you know she was telling me that what I was thinking was that's the kind of case that Tracy could could get involved in. Mm. So, unfortunately, in our society, there's always going to be another case, and um, that that means there's the opportunity for Tracy to remain fresh. So, from, according to your website, there's movie deals. There's going to be a movie of the Eight Sister. Is that correct? Is that yeah? So. I, Sold actually the Ace Sister and the sequel, which is the Last Agent, coming out in September. Um, I sold it to um, Roadside Attractions, which are the people that did uh, Manchester by the Sea, oh. Super Size Me, and some other things. They've been had, had really had uh, really successful. So, you know, they're they're talking about making it a uh, television series. You know, that would run on 
Netflix mm. or HBO or Hulu or something like that. So uh, we signed that deal, and then uh, and then over Christmas we um, we agreed to terms uh, with an Australian uh, producer who works with a, a UK partner and uh, on Sam Help, and um, and that was that's been really kind of exciting. So um, you know you know the you know how this goes, David. Um, yeah. You've talked to enough enough authors. You know you uh, you sign these deals, and it, it can take. It can take forever, it, and especially now with there is that there is so much content on TV right now that there are not enough entertainment lawyers to get all the contracts done, and that's that's reality. And yeah. so you know things are moving a little more slowly, um, but my job is to write good books, and and that's that's what I try to do. And the rest is gravy. I I hope these things come to fruition. The the, the producers who bought them seem very excited about them. And I would like nothing more than to, to go sit in a theater and and to see Tracy, Tracy not Tracy, but to see um, Charles Jenkins up on screen and to see Sam Hell up on screen and someone d- does a good job putting the, out a good movie. I mean, that would be that would be just icing on the cake for me. I think I think um, Claire Danes would make a good Tracy Crossway. Uh, I, you know what? I was just asked that by a guy that does a site, and he does ask, "Who do you who do you?" Uh, who do you see playing in the role of, you know, Tracy Crosswhite? And, you know, I, I, I never really, I, there was one point in time where I had um, a, a woman's writing group who they were throwing out all kinds of names. And, uh, um, but I, I, I had not heard, heard Claire Danes before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're a very generous guy. I mean, just seeing all the things you do on the internet, you, you, you teach a lot. Your, your kids. I mean, you're real close to your kids. You're, you're showing having lunch with your kids, and so, I mean, you're you're such a a good family guy too. I mean, you you find that time for your family. That's and you have that. I mean, it's such a good balance. It's such a wonderful thing to see. I mean, I, I, I have a, I have a, I have a wonderful life. I I am truly truly blessed. My parents gave me great role models on on what is truly important in life, and I hope I'm passing those on to my children. I tell my children all my all the time. I say, find your passion, and find a way to make a living at it. Right. Because life is too short to be miserable, no matter how much somebody pays you. Um, you know, find, find what you love to do. Um, when you get to be my age, you suddenly begin to realize that you know, life is short. And, I mean, uh, what what you've been through as a writer, would you would you if your kids wanted to do that, you'd be okay with that? I mean, it wouldn't bother you if they had no, to go. I would do everything I could to help them. I, one of the things that's giving me great joy is I'm working with a couple of uh, young authors. And what I mean by young authors is college-age authors, but, but authors who have really wonderful talent. And uh, one's only a sophomore in college, and, and he's just got wonderful talent. And so I'm, help, I'm trying to help him find uh, an agent because I think his book is, is, is pu- worth publishing. I think it's, he did a really wonderful job. And so to work with young people, in particular, that have a passion the way I had that passion, um, I, I'm, you know, that just that just puts a smile on my face. And then I teach a I teach a seminar called the Novel Writing Intensive um, in uh, Seattle and in Tennessee with Stephen James, and um, that's just an in- incredibly um, uh, just a wonderful week um, where we we are with you know students that that want to really write novels and put 50 pages of their manuscripts out there to be critiqued and to, and to learn. And, uh, it's, 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 it's really, it's a blessing for me, uh, as much as it is for them. 
So you have a lot of demands on your time, too. That's It's not just people think, oh, they get to write, they get to stay home and write. That must be wonderful. But you, you have a lot of demands on your time. People want you to be places or do signings or... And that's yeah. hard for you because you have to leave yeah. home. I, I, it is, and I and I travel a lot. I, I cut back on on some of my business travel, but I I travel a lot. And but again, I'm I'm not complaining about it. I because right. I'm I'm blessed. I'm blessed that people want me to to come to their store or want me to come to their conference and and speak and talk. And you know that that's what life's about. I, you know, I had a I had a stroke three years ago. Uh, you on my what? I had a stroke three years ago. My wife's 50th birthday party, I threw her a big party, and at the end of the party I had a stroke and ended up in the hospital. And since that day, I have, my, my life now is I say yes to everything. Uh, if, I can, if I can, you know, if I can reasonably do it, I say yes. And so if somebody calls me up and says, hey, I'm going, we're going golfing this afternoon, why don't you come with us? You know, there's a thousand reasons you can come up with say, to say no, and I say yes. Okay, I'll go. I'll do it. Um, and I just I try to live my life that way now. Somebody says to me, you know, we're we're going to China. Do you want to come? Yeah, I'll go. I'm in shock. I didn't. I had no idea you had a stroke. That, that... Yeah, yeah, no, and and and, and it, it does does make you kind of take take. Uh, uh, go up, go go over your life a little bit, and and. Uh, it makes you kind of um, sit back and say, "Okay, you know what?" Uh, well, it, it, it doesn't sound like it's affected your life very much at all, other than being in the hospital. Yeah, no, I, I again, I'm very lucky. I was very blessed. Um, they figured out what it was. Uh, I, you know, had to have a procedure done to to not have it happen again. But um, in the whole scheme of things, I, I have no complaints. Uh, really, I was, I was kind of. It, kind of blessed to have it because, you know, um, I could have. It could have been a lot more catastrophic, and it. And I. And you're right. It hasn't impacted my ability to write or to think and and all those things. So, um, but you know, you, you you take stock of you do. You take stock of your life a little bit differently, and and uh, you don't pass up on opportunities. And and I look at writing as an opportunity to to get stories out in the world. And uh, and I'd love to get out as many stories in the world as I can. Wow, I'm just I'm just I'm just my mouth is still open. I didn't expect you to say that. I had nothing, no idea you were going to even talk about having a stroke. So that that kind of threw me for a loop. But wow, I'm so glad you're okay. I can't imagine if you weren't what it would be like not being able to read your books. Wow, thank you. But that I mean because I when I enjoy an author, I enjoy an author. That's. I mean, I I will always miss Mary Higgins Clark now that she's yeah. gone, and it, it's hard to even believe that when they say they're gone. I, I still can't believe Sue Grafton's gone, and you know yeah. he, they're there one minute and go on the next, and that's the way life is. And as hard as that is to to realize, it's like you say, you live every moment you can, then just have as much fun as you can. Yeah, and then you know I don't I, I don't want to have uh, I don't want to have any regrets. I mean somebody. Somebody told me a great quote that I've actually put in my most recent book, and it, it's basically it says failure is failure is uh, is harder to live with than uh, regret, and I, I think that that's true. Is you know you don't you, you you know if you try something and you fail that's okay, but you don't want to ever regret not trying something. You know so um, so yeah I I just you know. So other than other than Tracy and the Eight Sister series and Sam Hell. 
Are there other things you'd like to try that you have in your mind that you'd like to try? Are there series that you have in mind that you don't we don't even know about? Not not so much another series, not yet. Well, you know, the Charles Jenkins series is, is probably going to be a series. I'm already thinking about the third book in that series. Um, but I do I I do like I do like to try to expand my my uh, art a little bit. And uh, Sam Hell helped me to sort of stretch stretch my art. And I have another idea that is uh, similar to Sam Hell in that it's a coming of age book mm. um, that I'm really really. Uh, I'm really excited about it, and I and I've started sort of in between all my other stuff. I've started to write it, and I'm only about sixty to seventy pages into it, but I think there's something there, and that's exciting for me. Um, that's really exciting for me. So, um, so we'll see. Do yeah, you but, do but, you have authors that you can't wait for the next book? You know, I, I I can't say that I do, and I don't mean that as an insult to anybody. No, it's no. There are so many good books out there that I don't necessarily care who the author is. If if they're telling a great story, I want to read it. Right. You, but you, you, there's got to be a series that you have read that you just are so compelled reading that you can't wait for the next one. There's got to be at least one somewhere. Well, there was Stephen Hunter. For a long time, I would read Stephen Hunter's stuff when he came out with Pale Horse Riding right. and uh, uh, what was it, not Soda Springs, or maybe it was Soda Springs. Was it Bobby Springs, Lee Swaggart? Yeah, the Bob Lee Swaggart and the and the the original uh, Earl Swaggart oh. was really the ones that I liked the most. Um, Black White, you know that the uh, mm-hmm. uh, Dirty White Boys. Um, there was a time when I I just couldn't wait to read the next um, uh, that the next books in that series. But you know, like like anything, you uh, you know you you tend to. You tend to move on to something, right. something different. So, um, but I, I did. I did love to read his stuff. Hmm. Interesting. I never would have thought that. <laughs> it's interesting. The most interesting thing about interviewing is you never. You only. You don't always know what the answer is going to be, and that makes it even more intriguing. Yeah, absolutely. Not not if you're a lawyer, though. That's different. <laughs> you don't want to get blindsided by something. No. But. Uh, I just, you know, I'm so, I can't wait to hear what the next Tracy Crossway book's going to be called. You're probably not even allowed to say, are you? I, I don't know what it's going to be called yet. It, it, I, all I can say is it, it starts out with a, uh, a patrol officer who's in the middle of a, of a horrible divorce who picks his five-year-old daughter up to take her uh, out for Halloween uh, to a corn maze, and the little girl disappears. Oh. So... And Tracy is coming back to work after after a maternity leave and, and taking some extended time after what happens to her in the book you're reading. And uh, you know, I and I wonder I wonder about her and Dan because there are times I get the feeling that these two are going to have a real blow up. And <laughs> I, I don't know why I feel that way, but even in this book, A Cold Trail, I start to think, you know, these two are really going to have it out one day. It, it just well, you feel like right. it's coming. Yeah, I mean that's life. I mean anybody that's married or has a significant other or a partner. I mean, you know, everybody. You look at everybody and you go, "Wow, they have a great, a great marriage." And then you know, that's like <laughs> everybody has issues. Everybody has problems. That that's part of being that's part of being close to somebody else. And by the way, you're one of ten kids, right? Correct. Yeah. Do you think writing was a way to get attention to yourself? Absolutely, without a doubt. Um, you know the, the the new book I'm writing. I the opening line is 
it's tough to stand out in a crowd, especially if that crowd's in your own house. And, you know, I had my oldest sisters, you know, one became a pediatrician, my brother became a surgeon, my other sister became a clinical pharmacist. I mean, you know, I was, you know, talk about raising the bar. Um, and I came along and, you know, I, I was taking organic chemistry and all that stuff because I thought, well, I'm going to go into medicine. But I, I just always had this love of books and this love of writing. And, uh, and I, you know, I, so, so, yeah, that was... Uh, you but, know, you don't, I, you don't, but, Bob, you don't have a big ego. You're, you're not an ego-driven author. I mean, you, you've I, never come across that way, and I can't believe you would ever be that way. No, I, I don't have an ego in, in terms of trying to compete with other people. But at the same time... You know, when you grow up in a family, um, you, you you know, you do want a family as big as mine. You know, I mean, you you do hope that your parents will notice when you bring home a good report card. Or oh, yeah, absolutely. When you get an A on a paper. And, and what I started to stand out in was my writing. In fact, I wrote all of my brothers and sisters' college applications. I wrote them all. Really? You know, they'd have essays that they had to write. and I'd yeah, write I mean, them. we all seek our parents' approval in some way at some point, don't we? Absolutely. I mean, wh why wouldn't you? Human. It's nice to be felt proud of. I mean, it, 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 there's no doubt about that. If it's not our friends and our, I mean, our family aren't, aren't being proud of us, we we don't feel right. You know, it's like well, that's how I. I mean, I guess that's how I feel. I'm sure I'm not the only one. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, one of my one of my deep regrets is that my father passed away in in uh, 2008, and he got never got to fully see sort of my success. But I do believe, you know, I, my faith, in my faith, I do believe that he does see my, my success and he is proud of me. But, you know, I would have loved to have shared it with him. Absolutely, yeah. Do do your siblings read your books? Uh, my sisters read them religiously, and one of my brothers does. My other brothers just give me a bad time. <laughs> yeah, aren't they? Isn't there? They're always there's always somebody like that, you know. <laughs> Especially with nine other brothers and sisters. Yeah. Now one of my brothers says, "What do I want to read your books for? I'm I'm, I'm busy." <laughs> what is it about? Why is that with some men that there's a, there's a lot of men out there who just don't like reading? I, I I have found that in my life that a lot of my men friends do not read books. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, Many more women read than men. Why is that? I wonder. I, I just—I've never been able to figure that. But then, every once in a while, you'll you come up with a guy who's just a voracious reader. Yeah. And it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's almost stunning when you come across it because you're like, "Wow, where have you been all my life?" You know? Yeah. No, I know. But uh, I know. it's been—it's been so wonderful to talk to you again, Robert. I can't tell you how much I enjoy your books. I really do. And well, thank you. I appreciate it. I've loved being on your show. And I love, I love the fact that you're better and, and well now, and I can't wait for book number eight and Tracy. And, and this has been David's Book Talk, and we'll talk to you next time. You have just enjoyed the podcast of David's Book Talk, brought to you by your host, book lover, David English. Please visit us at davidbooktalk.com, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and subscribe to our podcast. We want to hear from you. And we don't want you to miss our upcoming shows with top authors like Mary Higgins Clark, Patricia Cornwell, Lisa Scottolini, Jackie Collins, Nelson DeMille, Michael Connolly, Sue Grafton, Steve Martini, Dale Brown, David Baldacci.